This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. Okay, I have another very, I have, I'm, I'm blessed with some very cool articles this week. The paper I found in the Journal of Pediatrics is called Discontinuation of Car Seat Tolerance Screening and Post-Discharge Adverse Outcomes in Infants Born Preterm. I, you have also been awaiting this paper. <laughs> oh, yes. So I'm going to try to pace myself here. First author is David Braun, and this is uh, a paper from a group out of California. So the, the background is very interesting. They're talking about the range of assessments that we utilize to determine readiness for discharge, such as postnatal age. We check that they have no apneas. We check that they're able to feed. And they're mentioning how since 1991, the AAP has recommended that for preterm infants, they have to undergo car seat tolerance screening. And it's not really formally been evaluated for efficacy. It was recommended as a, quote, practical attempt to reduce the frequency and severity of cardiorespiratory events experienced by infants born preterm seated in car safety seats and to minimize potential neurodevelopmental sequelae. So since then, there are some studies that have been done in hospital and hospitals using car seat testing that have raised a range of questions about individual aspects of the car seat testing elements. There's no real study that has compared utilization of car seat with non-utilization of car seat on the rate of post-discharge adverse outcomes. And people are questioning whether we should still be doing this. And I think we reviewed a paper not too long ago by Eric Jensen that even addressed that question. But in 2016, the Canadian Pediatric Society withdrew its recommendation for car seat testing. In 2020, uh, an article by Davis and colleague discussed the need for additional AP guidance to decrease the variability in car seat testing screening and to facilitate effort to understand if it's clinically important. In 2022, there's, there are two institutions in the US that reported that they no longer utilized car seat testing. And in a survey of hospitals performing car seat testing, the response to the question, is the car seat tolerance screening a good way to assess cardiorespiratory readiness for discharge in at-risk infants? The answer was yes in only 39% of cases. 45% said they were unsure, and 26% of people said no. There wow. was another, <laughs> which is not, not wrong. Another <laughs> physician survey reported that 66% agreed with the statement that CAR C testing was medically necessary, and 58% did not have sufficient equipoise to support a randomized control trial mm. of CAR C testing. So, with that, the group. <laughs> But that being said, 2016 was a long time ago for our, our friends who already made the decision in Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. well, you'll see that our friends who are publishing the paper were not that far off. Right. So the Kaiser Permanente South, Southern California uh, group has 4.7 million member socioeconomically diverse, uh, and they have an integrated healthcare system. And they basically discontinued car seat testing on infants born preterm since December 2016. After a thorough, I'm quoting here, by the way, thorough literature review and provider discussion. And so this system-wide practice change gave them the opportunity to assess the impact of car seat testing discontinuation on post-discharge adverse outcome. And so I had heard about this, that they no longer do car seat testing. In, it's funny because Kaiser is so big that I had heard they don't do it in California anymore, <laughs> which I'm sure doesn't reflect the, all of California. But yeah, so... 
they did a retrospective cohort study that included all the infants that had a gestational age of less than 37 weeks, i.e. that were born preterm, born to patients who received pregnancy care and delivered at one of the 14 hospitals managed by the Kaiser Permanente Healthcare System between 2010 and 2021. They excluded the infants who died during the admission, obviously, and who were discharged from other hospitals. The infants were classified as two things. They were either, quote-unquote, NICU admissions, which means that they spent some time in the NICU, or they were non-NICU admissions, which means they got their care in the nursery or in the postpartum area. The exposure of interest was the hospital-level discontinuation of CAR-C testing utilization. This was followed by, and I think that's important, obviously, to mention because they didn't just stop willy-nilly. This was followed by a broad anticipatory guidance initiative, standardized nursing training, and associated educational material for educating parents and caretakers on the safe use of the infant car seats. Instruction included minimizing unnecessary travel by car and avoiding the use of car seats as a bed for infants outside the car. The primary outcome of interest was the composite the, the composite rate of infants with any of the following events in the 30 days that followed discharge. And we're talking about discharge from the birth admission. That was death, number one. 911 call-triggered transports, meaning needing emergent transport from, they said, either home, residence, or quote-unquote, any scene. And they looked at readmissions associated with diagnostic code grouping for respiratory disorders, apnea, apparent life-threatening illness, or brief, unresolved, unexplained events. They stratified that primary outcome as well by gestational age categories and by NICU admission, whether the kids were in the NICU or not. Um, you can read more about the, the, the methodology, but let's get into some of the results. So the final sample size after they apply all the exclusion criteria was 41,264 infants. There's two study periods, right? There's the car seat epoch and there's the no longer needing car seat epoch. Um, across those two study periods, 49.9% of the infants were admitted to the NICU. And when you read this at face value, you're like, holy moly, are they admitting 49? But remember, 49% of all the babies born before 37 weeks. So you're hoping that like you're 35, 36, maybe they're they're born, they're fine, they go to nursery. So the high admission rate, remember, it's we're not including the full terms in that because they, they don't need car seat testing. The number of infants discharged by the hospitals assigned NICU levels were they had 513 discharged from level ones, which are pretty much like nurseries, 7,527 from level twos, and 33,000 from level three slash four. Um, patient level car seat test rates were 49.4% in uh, the car seat testing period and 0.1% in the discontinuation period. So it's quite interesting to see the variation where basically the graph at some point, all hospitals just stop using the car seat test. And yeah, so anyway, the unadjusted post-menstrual age and postnatal age at discharge did not change significantly between the two epochs. So it's not like kids got like, yeah, if they started suddenly discharging their kids much earlier, and then suddenly they had more issues with readmission, maybe that could be the cause. So I think it's important to mention that they didn't really, didn't really matter. Uh, they didn't change uh, when they discharged these kids. Among those receiving car seat testing, 3.4% failed their initial car seat tests. So let's get to some of the key results. There were no statistically significant differences between the CAR-C test screening and discontinuation periods in the adjusted odds ratios of any of the adverse outcomes that were studied. Um, Again, these outcomes were death, 
911 call trigger transport and readmissions. Um, the unadjusted rates of the primary outcomes in the total study were 1.02% in the car seat testing screening group and 1.06% in the discontinuation group. So really, not even close. There was no statistically significant differences that were found in the unadjusted rates, crude ORs, and adjusted ORs of the primary outcomes stratified by gestational age or NICU admission status when comparing car seat testing and discontinuation periods. Another interesting result, among the individual components of the primary outcome, so looking at each one separately, the unadjusted rate of death in the discontinuation period was significantly lower than in the car seat period. So actually, death uh, went down from uh, 0. 0.1, 0. 0.12% to 0.02%. So if anything, <laughs> and that was sort of, uh, that was... Uh, that was significant in the uh, in the unadjusted uh, analysis. No statistically significant differences were observed in other unadjusted rates or any of the components adjusted ORs comparing car seat testing versus no car seat testing. The the conclusion of the paper are that after this healthcare system discontinued car seat testing in infant born preterm, 30-day post-discharge adverse outcomes did not increase. Now, in the spirit of the Choosing Wisely initiative, the value of the car seat testing as a standard pre-discharge assessment for all infant born preterm deserves further evaluation and research. And I don't know why, this is the week of commentary. So there's a nice commentary as well, <laughs> written by Malika Shah in the Journal of Pediatrics. And she's published on the impact of car seat testing. And so, you know, it, it reminded me when you submit a paper for review and mm -hmm. the findings go slightly against what one of the reviewers has already published about. Mm -hmm. Like you wonder, like, is it even worth resubmitting? I'm dead in the water. <laughs> so Dr. Shah actually um, writes a very nice commentary and she says that the conclusion have to be interpreted with caution for several reasons, right? Because I have to say, I read this paper and I went on call and I was like, we should stop it. I'm like, like, this is... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because, right, how many fail the car seat test mm -hmm. and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm -hmm. You just keep them in the hospital a bit longer. You repeat it until they pass. And it's like, it's it's it has a significant burden. Anyway, so what Dr. Shah is saying is that the study does not give any details regarding the unit submission criterias, nor describe the standard practicing and monitoring period for discharging an infant with a history of apnea, for example. So you don't know for what, I guess, for example, if their units were discharging kids after a Brady, an apnea, or a DSAT, that was a monitoring period of 15 days. Yeah. Then yeah, maybe they don't have a lot of post-discharge mm -hmm. outcome, but if you're using a three-day watch, then maybe it's, you, you cannot mm -hmm. apply it. So I, I think that makes sense. Um, I was just giving these as an example, obviously. Uh, she was, she's saying how uh, without clarity on the care received by the infants in the studies, results cannot be attributed to the discontinuation of the car seat tolerance test or generalized to other population. She's referencing, I guess, one of her paper, that showed how nearly one half of the infants born between 34 and 36 and 6 who failed their infant car seat tolerance test in the newborn nursery had apnea of prematurity in the supine position. And, the num and I guess what she's hinting at is that there are some kids that just go through their admission unnoticed. They're sort of late preterms. You don't really look at them too often. You know, like they don't, they don't force you to gravitate towards their bedside like a 20 two-weeker, right? 
because they're fine, but but are they though? Like, could you mm. unmask something? And I think that's a very astute point that she's that she's making. She's saying how the the number of calls made to nine one one both during and after the car seat study period are small, and the calculation of statistical statistical significance may be vulnerable to small deviation in the observed number of outcomes. And though she said no individual gestational age group reached statistical significance in the study, it's notable to see that for infants born between 34 and 36 and 6, it almost approached significance. She's saying how more than 70% of infants born premature are born in the late preterm period. Many are cared for in the well-baby nurseries with little additional attention outside of routine newborn care. And she's saying that the author's conclusion that physicians should reconsider routine infant car seat testing has the greatest implication for these infants who often receive no cardiorespiratory monitoring outside the car seat test tolerance test during the birth hospitalization. Discontinuation of the car seat tolerance screen may adversely affect this often overlooked population, and it is premature to do so. So I have to say, after reading that, you're sort of it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's throwing a bit of cold water on the whole uh, on the whole fire. But uh, what an interesting conversation. I mean, it's just a really good reminder that the late preterm is not a full-term infant. That's that's my takeaway. What do we do about the car seat test? I don't know. (laughs) But but that the late preterm is not a full-term infant. I think – so I've been thinking about this since um, I finished reading the – I finished reading the commentary last night, but – the, my my takeaway from this has been: Do we need to be a bit more deliberate about who do we want a car seat testing on, and not just like thirty six and six car seat? You must have a car seat test, right? Yeah, I think and, it also and maybe, it's not just um, it's not just acuity, right? It's time spent in the NICU. So I think probably some of these kids just cycle in and out. They're short, quote unquote, short stays, so they didn't even have enough time to uh reveal themselves as, it's, as that's exactly yeah. what the commentary is saying how much of a of a sample do you have to right. even to even look at that and so i think that's that's super interesting yeah i think it's it's interesting right they, they weren't seeing this approaching significance in the smallest babies which are the babies that we most worry about but because we've had this time to watch them we aren't putting them in the car seat test till they've already like done their you know, their countdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these kids never got a countdown. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and right, do we pick them up in the car seat testing? Yeah, it's an interesting point. Thank you for listening to the Incubator Podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast or the Apple Podcast website. You can find other episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or the podcast app of your choice. We would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Instagram or Twitter at NICUPodcast, or through our website at www.the-incubator.org. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.